All right. Tonight we are talking about colorism on Sounds About White. I am one of the three co-hosts, Elise Michaud. I am Ari Alex. I'm Dr. Jess. And we are Sounds About White. And we've got a special guest with us tonight, Yesenia Yay. Guadalupe. Is that correct? Oh, she frozen. She frozen. I'm sure she'll pop back in. All right. So we'll keep working at it. But that is our special guest for tonight. And we're really excited to have her with us. So, but first, you know how we roll. <laughs> we got some whopping current events. <laughs> Maya and Kim K. Oh, Kim K. Kim, Kim, Kimmy. I think she thought it was going to be okay because, you know, she gave this big intro that they quarantined and then she took everybody to a private was it private island or something to party yeah. just, just feel normal and tweeted this out for everybody only to get a lot of backlash <laughs> from people on twitter which was absolutely hysterical she, I think that's my biggest gripe with her. Now, just on Friday, she had won back some rapport with me because I watched her interview with David Letterman. Yeah, what was so special about it? I saw you post that. It was very sincere. It's very clear she's very intelligent. And I can respect that. However. Very intelligent, for real? I, I think <laughs> I think I think she's got a couple she's done a lot of things right I don't like the way in which she's done it I was gonna say let's define right she's she's made a brand successfully she has buku buku dollars like yeah. she's doing you yeah. gotta be you gotta have some things together to to do that I don't I'm not a fan ne 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 never will be and it's because of this incident right here right behind it that shows how tone deaf she is. So like, mm -hmm. I, can't, I can't get down with that at all. Mm -hmm. So uh, some of the tweets were epic. If y'all wanna weigh, weigh in on it, you're, <laughs> you're welcome to while I pull up some of these tweets, her <laughs> replies. I just feel like the whole appeal of the Kardashians is just like this over the top wealth, general disconnect in terms of like what folks reality is you know and so i understand that that's how they made their careers and money but it's just like like can we just be done with that like as a society can we just all agree <laughs> that it, I, like we're done with it like especially when we're having people evicted because of the pandemic like can't afford it's just like watching this exorbitant just it's just it's it's lavish for for just the flash right and so it's like i don't want to hear about how you were so tired of being quarantined in your mansion <laughs> that, that you needed to run away to a private island i don't know it's just like uh, yeah i just choose not to yeah i just choose not to do it and do it without making a big statement like again you could tell she thought oh I've thought this through. If I say that everybody quarantined, if I say that it was just my inner circle, 
it'll be fine. Well, no. Yeah. It's, well, and that speaks not. to just how tone deaf she is, right? Exactly. Like just how far removed from reality she is. She's, you know, the crazy thing, y'all, I used to love her. Mm. I used to love her. Like I would tell my friends, like, call me Kimmy. What? Oh my. I swear to God. What was your awake? When was your awakening? (laughs) And what triggered it? I think as I became more aware of just how much she profited off of Black folk. You know what it was when she started? It was whenever she got with Kanye. And it wasn't because I disliked Kanye because at the time I didn't. It was because she was trying to be blacker, if you will. She was like trying to look more ethnic. She was trying, like she was just, she was doing that whole like, you know, like crossover shit, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, and then I think, I think she posted a picture like, and I was like, how is this not blackface? And from there, I was like, you know, yeah, so. The fact that Beyonce doesn't bang with her tells me everything I need to know. Swear, right? <laughs> Swear, right? Tells me everything I need to know. Swear. All right. So do we want to hop back? Can we, um, Yesenia, do you want to do an intro, let the people know who you are and all that? I, we don't want to skip over that for you. Sure. I apologize. My uh, internet decided to boot me off right when we went live. So that was great. <laughs> Uh, so I'm Yesenia Guadalupe. Um, I'm based in Miami, Florida. I'm a educator, writer by trade turned uh, artist. I do a little bit of everything. Um, and I'm just very uh, excited to be here with y'all today and, and get to chatting. So thank you for having me. Our pleasure. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. For sure. Cool. Other educator artists, like she's got, we got a vibe going. <laughs> people yeah can't can't kill the vibe yeah (laughs) so justice no justice are we just gonna we're gonna we're gonna wait save her save her save the topic (laughs) talk about the supreme court later that needs a whole episode lord (laughs) so this week is all about colorism and course as we always do we had some articles to to discuss but I feel like you know again because of folks lived experience around the screen and whatnot that we can kind of you know obviously pull some of that stuff in but where do we want to start you know colorism is one of those topics I'm going to be completely honest here that I don't feel completely comfortable talking about because I don't have like that, like I'm not the most vulnerable person when it comes to colorism. So I, I really like to learn as much as I can. I'm really, really happy that we will have um, a perspective from um, the Latinx community to kind of show how colorism affects that community versus the black community. Um, Cause I think they're, while it's the same poison, they may affect things differently um, or to different degrees maybe. But um, 
it's it's one of those things for me that I really enjoy hearing other perspectives and um, just learning as much as I can. I realize that with my skin color, there is privilege, right? There's a certain amount of privilege. I always say that I benefit from proximity to whiteness privilege. So um, <clears throat> this is one of those spaces for me that I like to elevate other voices and, and truly understand um, and empathize with those experiences so that I can be a better advocate and learn where my place is in this and, and how to, you know, um, do right, do right by, by other people, by other folks. Mm -hmm. For sure. So maybe, maybe it makes sense to define colorism first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if either of you want to take a take us down that path, or Yesenia, if you'd like, you're welcome to as well. Go ahead, Jessica. You're gonna say something. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I, like like Ari was saying, as the white woman in the room, I'm like, oh, I don't um have much to add aside from the fact that I think it's important that we talk about colorism because as we talked about with privilege in general and thinking about gender and race, right? Like there are layers to privilege and oppression. And so we can't just generalize folks' experiences and even within underrepresented or minoritized communities, there is, there's a hierarchy. It's how our nation works. And so it's like, there's even interfighting, right? So just like with feminism and we were talking about white feminism versus you know, non-white feminism, there is sort of like this, this underlying hierarchy that exists across all sort of identity factors. And it's just very interesting to think about, especially as a white person who's trying to examine their racial identity and thinking about how a person of color then has to examine theirs not only as a person of color, but then like what shade, right, within your color. And so that was, that was just something that I have, you know, I've had the luxury of not having to think about. And then also thinking about how, especially white women think about their shade, right? It's like, oh my God, I'm so pale. And they pay a lot of money to tan. And then you read articles on colorism and women of color are paying to bleach their skin. And so just thinking about how in white communities, a tan equates to wealth, equates to, you know, the leisure class, like you have time to go on vacation or you have the luxury and disposable income to go and tan. And so in, in white communities, it's like the darker you are, you know, it's, it's, it has connotations of having like access and, and wealth or at least some sort of like classism connotations. And then when you think about, it's just a wildly interesting juxtaposition. And I obviously don't want to elevate the white experience, but I think that um, it's just another prime example of how counter experiences are in this nation. Um, like total opposites, right? So. Yeah, I'm just very interested at the fact that we think about colorism as the idea that light skinned folks are given more privilege than dark skinned folks and how just like with everything else, 
else white people then take that narrative and flip it on their own little worlds you know so that was sort of one of my interesting takes but i'm very much uh excited to hear what you folks have to say what happens when you're orange <laughs> think you um destroy nations <laughs> I tried to say that with the most serious face I possibly. Too close. That's too soon. <laughs> we will have nightmares about the color orange for the next until we die. Gosh, it's just it's it's terrible. Like you have access, so much access, and that's how you choose to look. Okay. <laughs> All right, Yesenia, what say you? So I caught the tail end of what Jessica was saying. And yeah, I think that, that the, the fact that white people can take something like a tan and that is the status symbol is kind of goes back to the Kim K thing, right? Where it's like very tone deaf, where it's like, well, yeah, you can, that can be your status symbol because you already have all the privilege of being white, right? Um, in, in my experience and in the, in like my culture, it's a it's very classist right so in latin culture it's very anti-black um mm -hmm. and which is is wild because we're like latin america is like the largest african diaspora in the world right so there's like latin folks are black folks like there's no there's no uh um uh separating the two right um but the hierarchies that exist in the United States exists, I think, even stronger in Latin America because it's also tied to to class and the the settler the settler class, right? So if you look at like media in Latin America, you'll have people from Mexico, from uh, Nicaragua, from Brazil, whatever. But uh, everybody who's who has um, who's visible in media are the people who are white and who can pass as white. And that is the that is the the person that represents, right? Like that country. When in reality, it can be like Brazil, for example, is like the the second, I believe the second blackest nation on earth, right? And if you if you look at the media representation of Brazilian people, you you maybe wouldn't expect that, right? So it's just like in, in Latin America, it's super interesting because it's about the settlers, right? Um, and the colonizers taking the narrative and literally saying, we own this, like this is our space, we are Latin America. And then just erasing all indigenous people, erasing black people when Latin America is all of that, right? Um, so yeah that's to to get started that's that's my first take i guess <laughs> see and that's so interesting because that's not my experience in, in my community i feel like obviously no one can be stripped away right like it's not it's it's more so divisive than anything if that makes sense you know what i mean just like thinking that there is that superiority factor. Like people always say, oh, well, it's easy for light-skinned people to be pretty or, oh, you know, it's it's difficult, you know, or, oh, oh she's pretty for a dark skin. Like I hear that or see that so often on social media. And um, th that's simply not the case, you know? 
Um, so it seems like there's that divisive talk. Um, but again, I've never been on the tail end to receive that sort of discrimination or that sort of um, just that end of it, you know? So that's just, it's, it's interesting to, to understand it as like truly trying to wipe away an entire piece of the culture, an entire portion of the people that actually, you know, that's just wild. That's, that tells me that it's rooted very, very deeply and as is with the black community, but it just, I don't know if that's making sense and I don't have the, the best words, I guess, right now to say that, but it just seems like it's um, very, very, very deeply rooted. You yeah, sure? That's like wild. Absolutely, absolutely. And in, in Latin America, it's also because we have um, multi-ethnic people, right? And we have um, a variety of folks that are Latin, um, the colorism is can also be very subtle so i think in media it's very over like the people who are on tv the people who represent latinas right i feel like we all maybe have like a like a picture in our minds of what like a latin person is supposed to look like and mm -hmm. if you see somebody or hear somebody speaking spanish or identify as latin that doesn't look like that it surprises you right so like if you see uh, uh an afro latino speaking perfect spanish people are like oh you speak spanish like it's surprising to people you know what i mean when it shouldn't be because it's such a big part of latin america but that's how the media kind of co-ops like latinidad right and like and tells people this is what latinos look like but in reality it's just those are the latinos who have access to places like media and who who are amplified right because because of their proximity to whiteness i feel like in in our community it's in on a personal level it's like ari was was um describing it's very um like insidious like it's little remarks like your lighter skinned sister is the pretty one your cousin with the straighter hair is the pretty one um my mom for example and my my uh mom's paternal like her her father and on that side of the family they all have type four hair right so right there we know that somewhere along the bloodline there's black folks right and my mom was constantly like ridiculed as a kid um, for her hair. She is at this point, 55 years old. She still has a complex about her hair. Mm. She like, anytime she talks about her hair, it, it's negative. It's like, I wish my hair was like this. I hate my hair. I don't know what to do with it. It's, it's like a chore. Right. And it's this very anti-black, very, um, uh, colorist, right. Thing that she doesn't even realize. Cause I've talked to her about it before. She doesn't even realize that it's, that it's racist. She's just like, Oh, well, mm obviously straight hair is pretty obviously that's what you know what is desirable like there's photos of her as like a child in um uh like weddings or like events where like they put a wig on her because she, they didn't know what to do with her hair right so that's the other thing when folks are stripped of their of their heritage right and their culture which is like like why slavery is such fucking bullshit because if you, I, and I've told my mom this before, I'm like, if you grew up in a household where 
people knew how to care for your hair and you had that education, you maybe wouldn't feel the way that you do about your hair. But if it's looked at as a chore or as something difficult or as something bad, right? They literally call it like pelo malo, you know, like like in um in the black community is bad hair, right? So all of those things, like we're we're told um both overtly and indirectly that blackness is undesirable, that blackness is less than, and there's the the hierarchy, right? The closer we see it, the closer your proximity to whiteness, the more visible you are, the more you get paid, you know, like, like, and that's, I think, especially in Latin America, it's true, but I think across cultures, like colorism is such a, such a real, you know, thing that people really have to like, like contend with and it's mm -hmm. it's bullshit mm -hmm. yeah for sure girl Ooh, okay um he's making faces i know because like that's just so much like you know it does it does it, it it speaks to classism it speaks to um so many things across the board what are your thoughts e I just thought of our friend and and most beloved Tyler Perry, <laughs> <laughs> and how I just thought about some of his movies and how they're casted. They are the leads are usually fair skin mm -hmm. folks. Mm -hmm. Kimberly Lee is closer to I think my skin tone. Mm -hmm. but the the guy who is like the bad husband in the movie is very dark skin yeah even in Greenleaf, dr yeah. Jess, right faith no grace grace great even her i feel like even her name well her and her daughter are both very light-skinned and mm -hmm. they're you know that's the better daughter you know and yeah. Whoa, wait, this is different. <laughs> That's what was all going through my head just now. I'm like, all of the shows, and well, you know, um, Aunt Viv was dark skin, and then we didn't like the light skin. Aunt I was just gonna say, but that was the which Aunt Viv. <laughs> they switched her though. They, they switched her though. Yes. Yeah. Right. They yeah. went way lighter. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my god, there's so much. Well, yeah, I mean. I was just going to say for the longest, I mean, you would have to think about dark skinned women in the media. I mean, I think now things are a little bit different um, and like I'm older. So like I know who more people are, but I mean, I remember it being like Kelly Rowland, um, maybe saying Gabrielle Union, like think about whenever we were growing up, you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. I... Yeah. I, there wasn't, I mean, you had to really think about it. And if you're talking about a dark-skinned person that's actually like white people famous, like, you know, not like, oh, this person's in like black movies. Like, you know, we know them like, who, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't think anybody would know at that time, Kelly Rowland or like who, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's wild. Maybe Nivea, maybe, I don't know. Lil Kim, maybe I don't know, but who is now? Who's now? Right, right. <laughs> who's a right? That's awkward. 
and seeing her, it just, it just breaks my heart. What was wrong? I mean, that that's some mental health stuff, right? She I was, was going to say that level of plastic surgery and, and just body modification. I mean, that, that's some serious. Yeah. Does Michael Jackson get put into this conversation? Oh, so, but his was like an actual disease, right? Like he had Sandy Sosa, yes. The right, and so like he oh. then decided to bleach it because his skin was turning anyway. Isn't that where the root of that was? Yeah, yeah. But we also have, I mean, there's a couple models that have the same pigmentation, you know, where they where they have they have chosen not to. But especially if you think about the fashion industry, darker complected models are still an incredible rarity. I think there's right. maybe three or four, you know, that are, are substantially notable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to think industry across industries and across gender, like who gets to be dark uh, in these spaces and who chooses to transition because if you remember whenever Beyonce was what was it L'Oreal or whatever and everybody was like she's white she's whitening up her ads and her what was that cover girl or what was she I remember yeah yeah but so there was that and then now they're saying you're you're pulling too close to African culture with your black is king and so it's just, it's interesting to watch celebrities have to navigate that in real time right because it means money it means career longevity you know if we think about how challenging it is i'm not saying we should all feel bad for celebrities but if we think about uh you know what it means for the average person to navigate this but then doing that on a national platform it's just like yikes a quick aside, I think one of the other topics we should take on one day is talking about celebrities. I, I've seen people try to like cancel, like let's not look up to celebrities at all. Have you seen that on Twitter? Mm -hmm. I feel like that would be fun to to delve into one day. I don't know if that's a beginning of the talk kind of or yeah. like events type thing or a whole episode, but I think that would be interesting to 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 talk about. But yeah, not just you got me thinking. I'm like, okay. Colin Kaepernick knelt and he's very light skinned. Mm -hmm. So you, it, and, but he's still got a lot of, obviously a lot of shit for what he was doing because they just want him to shut up and play ball. But I think he also had the luxury maybe of, of doing it because he was lighter skinned i think that maybe a darker black man wouldn't have or i don't know you know that I, I could be yeah. wrong but i think that 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 was maybe him using his privilege as well as like somebody maybe. with the proximity perhaps yeah. perhaps maybe it was like well maybe if i kneel you know um let's see how they take it let's like test the waters and then like oh shit okay i guess not you know yeah right. maybe maybe makes yeah, you think huh think about yeah but I mean, like, I can totally see that because that's exactly what I try to do myself. You know, I try to take on a fight that perhaps someone else wouldn't have the opportunity to or wouldn't maybe not be in that space to to fight that fight. 
you know? So that's, that's super interesting. That's Barbara so very interesting. Up, Barbara brought up Meghan Markle and Barack Obama. Um, Hold on, we don't talk about Barack. <laughs> <laughs> but thinking about their careers and if they were, you know, darker, it, oh, would they have yeah. even landed where they got? Um, For sure. I, I'm curious as to all your perspectives in terms of colorism of uh, biracial or multiracial folks versus colorism in, you know, uh, a single race um, family, you know, like how does that sort of, I imagine that plays into it, right? Because if we think about um, commentary, you know, about someone like celebrity, like Meghan Markle, right? Well, well, she's only half or she's only the, you know, and so thinking about how that plays into colorism. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm interested in well, <laughs> hot to drink. me, when people say that it's, it's like saying, oh, they're one of the good ones. Like, oh, they're like, that's exactly what I hear when I hear, like someone told me, oh, you don't look black. You look Italian. And I was offended. Like, oh, I was like, please. And I was at work. Like this was a client. I was like, let's not ever say that to me again. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I am black and I want to be black. So please don't dilute who and what I am, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it, but it, yeah, that's <laughs> wild. I will say my family, so in my family, my sister and my mom are very light. Um, my father's dark skin and then I'm he, um, my mom's mother um, was a white woman. That's that part of that side of the family um, is Caucasian. So when we would go out, because my dad wouldn't always be there, actually, even before my sister was born, um, and it would be like, say, my mom, myself, and my grandmother, I would be the darkest one. And a lot of times people wouldn't think I was with them, mm. or a lot of times, um, I mean, my mom got backlash about, my grandmother, excuse me, got backlash about my mom not looking white when she was younger. So, you know, whenever you add me into the mix, you know, oh yeah, like people were calling her like an N-word lover. Like, I think someone tried to spit on my mom at one point when she was a young girl, if I can remember correctly. Like, yeah, this was in like the 60s, you know, the late 60s, early 70s and stuff. So, um well, mostly in the 70s, I suppose she was born in 68. But um, all that to say, there were times where I felt very black sheepish, right? If, if for lack of a better word. Um, <laughs> however, it's interesting because while I have that experience, I know that that's not anywhere near what true, you know, I'm not going to say what true colorism, because that is a form of it, right? But, oh, I think my battery died, you know, hold on, let me switch to the camera. <laughs> but um, it's just, it's just very interesting to think that me being the color that I am and everything would experience it that, that in that way. Um, 
and still not truly have a full concept of of how it can affect people, right? Because I, I've never seen true ramifications. That's a better way to say it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So very interesting. I was over here trying to find a photo of all four of us, my, my family, because we took this one picture and I thought it was a beautiful photo. And then I showed it to my cousin. He said, you are all lined up from darkest to lightest. And I've never noticed, I never noticed it until he said it. And we are, each of us, and I'm a twin, mind you. He is much darker than I am, Blake is. So it's just, it's it's interesting how (laughs) that kind of stuff, you don't even see it until someone uh, you know, points it out. So I'm trying to find a, a group. I definitely have like a selfie of us, but that was the funny story. And when you started talking about that, just made me think of, of that, um, with dealing with it. But yeah, I, did you ever have conversations like as kids, like between you and Blake about that? Or is it something you never thought about till somebody pointed it out? No, because I think he like got darker. Like he wasn't, we were not always that starkly different, yeah. but my dad has always stood out amongst us. Yeah. I mean, he's very fair skinned. So we would all, I do remember not partic- in particular, but I do remember making jokes about um, him being, him being fair skinned. So <laughs> we do like to pick on him about that every once in a while, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a thing, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is for sure. I'm still digging for this photo. I have a... Oh, go ahead. No, 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 please, please. <laughs> so my brother, um, he's younger than I am and have the same parents. He's darker than I am. Um, and there, from a Latino perspective, I've definitely seen the privilege between he and I, when he and I go out, the way that he and I are treated differently. Um, and we're same same parents, right, we're siblings, but he is darker and presents more indigenous than I do. And I don't think that I've ever been mistaken for anything but Hispanic or Latino or indigenous. But even with, even within that, right, there's the proximity to whiteness um, and the the fairness of the skin that that affords you certain kinds of of uh, privileges and attitudes, and people are maybe nicer to you. And you know, I don't get stopped by the cops nearly as much as he does driving a car. You know what I mean? Um, and we're in Miami, so um, everyone here, for the most part, right? The majority of people here are Latin, and mm-hmm. I think here's where I've seen the the hierarchy or this this place, right? This lived experience is was is what taught me this hierarchy um, based on color because um, the privileges that are afforded to white Latinos don't exist for me. They don't exist for my brother, and they definitely don't exist for Black Latinos, right? Um, white Cubans in particular. I'm going to come for white Cubans in particular because. Um, especially in Miami, they're the folks that kind of arrived from Latin America or the Caribbean before the rest of us, right? Um, 
And so they had to kind of deal with being uh, the Latin folks coming into like white, right, America, because at the time Miami was uh, white, Jewish. Um, and so they kind of had to deal with that mm. like transition, right? But by the time that other immigrant folks came to Miami, white, um, white Cubans had already kind of taken over the city and they are in the, the, the highest positions, right? Politically, um, economically, because. they're the entrepreneurs, right? So they kind of like rule the city, right? Mm -hmm. But it's very um, uh, colorist because we're, we're all Latinos, but mm -hmm. all the people who have the access and the privilege are, are the white ones. Um, and everybody else who kind of comes in falls into a hierarchy of, oh, well, you're going to do this job and you're going to do that job because this is the way that we treat people who look indigenous. This mm -hmm. is the way we treat Afro-Latinos. And you're kind of like, this is, the, this is as far as you can get within the structure that we built as Latin or Caribbean people, right? And the fact that Cubans in particular got um, or get more privileges than other people from other countries mm -hmm. is in large part due to the fact that they have Spaniard uh, presenting or Spaniard like heritage that is more mm. white passing. So even when folks come here, right, um, seeking asylum, white Cubans get certain privileges that, for example, Haitians who are going through the same shit would never get, right. would never get just because, right, of colorism. Right. So yeah, in, in Miami, it's it's very, very pronounced. It's very mm. obvious. Um, and to get into the political aspect of it, right, there's a lot of quote unquote Latinos for Trump. And I find that that is is within the colorism like spectrum. If somebody the whiter the Latino is, the more likely that they are to be allied with Trump or with, um, you know, those kinds of like ideals because they benefit from white supremacy, you know? Mm -hmm. So they want to distance themselves from the Latinidad that they do have. They want to distance themselves from brown Latinos. They want to distance themselves from black Latinos. They, so they are allied to white people who mm. are not, who do not have their best interests in mind, right? So let's think of like Marco Rubio, for example. Like mm. he's like the number one poster boy for that shit. Or, you know, I mean, there, there's Ted a ton Cruz. of them, right? Right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And 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 the other the other chick who was gonna be um uh in the in the shortlist for the Senate, uh not for the Senate, for for the Supreme, Supreme Court. Court. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, she was she was a Cuban American. Like that's not yeah. by mistake. That's not by mistake. It's, yeah. it's the colorism that exists in Latin America. And also because America or the United States has so much influence in Latin America mm -hmm. and people consume media from America so much, people don't even realize that they're being or that they're acting in a in a white supremacist like way because mm -hmm. they think that just because they're latinos that oh we're oppressed too right like there's no way that i'm racist or that i'm i'm you know colorist or whatever like but they 100 are because they're ingesting all of this american media that that shit is embedded into it right it's <laughs> yeah, literally yeah. embedded into it like and and just the little things where y'all were talking about casting you know if I see somebody who looks like me and every role that they have is subservient or in the background 
or cleaning some shit. You know what I mean? Even if I don't know it, like I'm, I'm in, I'm taking that shit in. Yeah. You're internalizing it. I'm internalizing it 100%, you know? Yeah. That's all I have to say is these white men are dangerous. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. I think, yeah. I mean, it's fascinating because we can, and we talked about this with implicit biases and everything, like the stuff that you internalize that's running, like you're unconscious, right? You can be playing into a narrative that you would argue is like so counter to how you feel like you live. Um, but these messages that we all absorb impact the way we move throughout the world and interact with people. And Barb brought mm. up a good question about the intersection of colorism and machismo and Latinx culture. Um, and that was gonna be my next question, right? So, because we've talked about black men, especially black men with money being able to transcend some of the barriers of, of race because of money, which essentially, I guess what I'm getting at is then just a proximity to whiteness, right? Because <laughs> in a white supremacy, a capitalistic white supremacy, if you have money, you're gonna be around white people, white powerful people. And so- That's why OJ was like, I'm not black, I'm LJ. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Okay, interesting about you know if we're thinking about layers of privilege and oppression there's the colorism spectrum but it's going to hit different on gender lines and class lines and yeah can i also really quickly i think that's why a lot of the black folks that are stepping up and doing things maybe not in the best way are black men. I hate to just like point it out like that, but when we think about Tyler Perry, when we think about Terry Crews, when we think about Ice Cube, when we think about 50 Cent, there's a pattern here. Yeah. There's a pattern. Tell me more. Tell me more. Yeah, we gonna have to write some shit down, research some <laughs> shit and come back with a couple theistices. <laughs> Yeah, in in Latin culture, I think definitely like the more the more identities that you have that um, are oppressed, right? So queer folks, uh, women, um, indigenous and black folks, it it's worse. It gets worse, right? It gets worse. It just does. Um, I think with women especially, like so. For example, I in you know back in the day. I dated a lot of white men and I actually wrote a a piece on this recently um, where I, so I am bisexual um, and as a child, I was very uh, Catholic, right? Growing up. So because I was bi, I kind of just leaned into like straightness because I was like, well, this is like the acceptable thing, right? But as a kid, I watched Pocahontas, right? I identify with Pocahontas um, and I liked Pocahontas, right? I liked Pocahontas. <laughs> and she she fell in love with like a white man. So seeing myself in her, um, liking her, right? In a, in, a, in a romantic way, I was like, well, oh, so maybe this is what I should like do right or like like this is this is who i this is who is who is um the person that's that's going to 
uh, open up this world or this thing for me, right? It's like white men. So I found myself uh, dating a lot of white men, a lot white of white savior. men. Yes. White savior and, yo, narrative. Woo. White saviors, white savior, white saviors with biblical names. They were all, they all had biblical names. Um, so literally oh the white gosh. savior, right? They're, Stop they, it right now. Gosh, <laughs> no, I can't make this shit up. I oh my God. I can't make this shit up fucking apostles and shit. So that, so that, so, um, while I was dating these people, right. Um, I was made hyper aware of my, my skin tone. And there were things that were told to me by, by their family. Right. So for example, like, Oh, uh, you're not going to go get a tan. Are you? You're not going to go to the beach. Are you like, you're already dark enough. Shit like that. Shit like that. People who would say, who would see me with like a partner, my, you know, my white boyfriends who are white as hell, right? Would be like, oh, um, other Latin folks who they knew, right? Would say shit like, oh, um, if you wanted a Latina, you could have gotten like a light skinned Latina. Like, why did you have to go for her? You know what I mean? And so uh, it, this was people who were literally like, dating white men right kind of like highlighted the the colorism in my life and and i saw like oh shit so apparently i can't go to the beach i can't get a tan because these people are going to be pressed if i show up looking you know a few shades darker and it, it really kind of drove that whole like narrative home of oh the closer you are to white the better you are the better the more valuable you are um, the more attractive you are, the more worthy of a white man you are, right? Um, so yeah, worthy of life. love, worthy and of love. love. Bullshit, bullshit, crazy. Mm. You're like blowing my mind right now. Mm. That's crazy. So, and that's. I think that's really important because that shows how dangerous this can be, right? We always say that, oh, you know, these things exist. There's going to be, you know, inherent judgment things, you know, but when you lay, when you show through lived experiences, the actual effects that these things have on folks, on their families, on their communities, and ultimately how it breaks down the culture because that's what it's meant to do, right? Is be divisive and it works. It works. I mean, you straight up said that, that folks were trying to erase indigenous, more indigenous looking folks from the culture. That's unreal. Um, and what you said earlier, Yesenia, about, um, about how Cubans were like the primary people to come over and, and settle and be in this, um, in this country. Um, I couldn't help but think that once you said they were kind of the first people to come and then that, you know, other folks started to come and, and more indigenous looking folks started to come. I can't Miami, help yeah. but think, um, to, yeah, to Miami. Um, I can't help but think that perhaps that there was a quickness to kind of pass that baton it's like, okay, we don't have to be this anymore. We can now be like them. And, and you know what I mean? And um, I think that maybe folks are so 
encouraged to continue in that line of thinking because you said it plain and simple they benefit from white privilege but more so than that they're not the ones at the bottom of the barrel you know what i mean it's more of like that that in that capitalistic view like oh well there's a few there can be a few rich at the at the expense of many poor um type of mentality so i just our society is built right like we're individualistic we're capitalistic and so it's like claw your way to the top by any means and so yeah and but it like if you think we we will sell our people out right like we talked about this when we were talking about just women in general right like there's this mentality of there can only be one so you know right Right. It's like you're the woman and you get the leadership position. You're like hissing at all the other women around because you're like, they want my spot rather than come on, let's let's do let's this. Do this together. Right? And so that's just that's just how we <laughs> yeah, it's just how our nation works. It's how capitalism works, right? Like you need to have things feel fleeting and limited so that <sighs> this dog eat dog like fighting, and we do that with money and and culture and and status and so it's why all of our movements are shit it's why feminism like once white feminists were there they were like okay we're good we got this like all right all right women of color like you're there and it's why you know when we have conversations about black men and gaining some access that black women are still like what's up we're still here right and so there there's we do that internally, like intergroup, and we do that just as a nation. And so, yeah, I think that's why I had beef yeah. with Ice Cube. I mean, I had beef from beginning. <laughs> let's, let's roll it back real quick. Roll back the tape. I had beef from beginning, but I could tell in that interview that he did with the young woman who runs Black Lives Matter, and she was saying, "Cube, you know." we've been doing this. I've been getting death threats and this and that. And he was just like, well, you know, I'm down to help whatever. Like he was just so unbothered by cavalier. Mm -hmm. So cavalier. Yes. That's the perfect word. Mm -hmm. So cavalier about her saying the struggle that she's been through, Mm -hmm. what she's been doing and with this administration and for him to just swoop and be like, well, I, well, I got this. And it's like, no, 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 sir. No. But because he's a dude, yeah. he was able to just roll right in there. And and he, and also because he's a dude, he didn't think, like he didn't think to ask the people who've been doing this stuff. And the more vulnerable people in the group. And let's be honest, because he's a dude, he had that fucking ego on his, ch- on his shoulder and was like, Joe Biden, you don't want to meet with me? I right, bet. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, but I don't think that that is uncommon, right? Like how many people do we see like rise to the top of whatever their their field is or some sort of status? And it's like, yeah, I worked hard. Not, you know, there's no, there's like <laughs> all the people along the way, right? That, that supported them and mentored them just sort of, that's an afterthought of a thought at all. And so I just feel like, when you have a society that like pretends that you can bootstrap your way to success, like it's the sexy story to be like, well, I did this and I'm here and I'm owning and taking up my space. Like this sort of like sense of (laughs) common good and lifting as you climb, like 
we view like it, it's viewed as weakness like our current political <laughs> like propaganda like if you show emotion if you show compassion like you're weak and so then you know why would we want to be more empathetic and aware um it's just totally counter to these bullshit ideals that our our nation has and capitalism mm. doesn't succeed if we're if we're all in it together you know so the system the system is operating exactly as it was built to operate they want us to beat each other down so that there can only be one i refuse <laughs> Crabs this in is bucket. Yeah. Like, and it's so as backwards because the whole like and this is what i go back to all the time like America is truly just like, you know, like onomatopoeias. I feel like America should sound like, like that should be the sound should sound like, oh, that sounds like what privilege would sound like. Like the fact just that the existence of it is privilege. You know, like y'all were mad about paying some taxes on some tea. <laughs> you felt like that was oppression, dude. You felt like that was oppression. But you don't understand this going on right here. You don't understand how it's ingrained in our nation, in our systems, in the way that we operate. I mean, tea! <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, just the fucking nerve. Like it's just, it just blows the audacity. Yeah. yeah. To um uh address <laughs> what Ari said earlier about um how like white Latinos, right? Um wield their privilege i think that that is also by design because of white supremacy and because of capitalism because the people that are allowed to come or to immigrate legally right from the from to the u.s are white latinos white passing latinos those are the ones who get permission to come here mm. and so already the system is is betting on the fact that they are going to ally themselves with the with the country right because one we let you in so you owe us we let you in two we're we're allowing you um the privilege to be here so you know you, right. you, one, you owe us right you owe us also you're gonna see the way that the system operates and you're gonna see that you have certain privileges because you're a white latino so mm. you don't want to get rid of that shit you know and so if that means that you have to sell out your folks in order to retain this privilege that's what you have to do that's like the price of admission right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. what happens here and it's not just white latinos it's also brown latinos black latinos and we're not, we're not black latinos but um the anti-blackness though yes the anti-blackness of it is and mm -hmm. also like the privilege of getting to the united states so there's a lot of in my community right so i'm from nicaragua there's a lot of indigenous folks that got here right and they're here and they were able to build lives in the United States. And they see the way that this hierarchy works. And they're okay with being below the white Latinos or the white people, as long as they retain the shit that they got when they got here. Because mm -hmm. their lives here are more comfortable than they were when they were in Nicaragua or wow. wherever else, right? So if that means that I have to um, ally myself with these with the oppressor, then that's what I'm gonna do because I gotta protect my shit. And if that means that I have to, that I'm gonna vote for a policy that's gonna say that people can't immigrate, even though I'm an immigrant, that's what I'm gonna do because fuck mm. them, they're not here, 
And mm. if they get here, that's less for me. And I'm already here and I'm chill. So fuck y'all. You know what I mean? And there's people who dead ass believe that shit. Oh, yeah. Those are the people that are in my community that are voting for Trump or that want to vote for Trump. Cause they're like, yeah, I know I was an immigrant, but I'm not anymore. I got my shit now. I'm here now. If that means that in order for me to retain this privilege that you can't come here, then you fucking stay where you're at. I don't mm. care. You know, mm-hmm. so the system uses white Latinos, right, in order to to push that agenda and to make us turn away from our own people. And this is why I'm so passionate about black and brown solidarity. And this is why we know that that's why the system targets white Latinos, because they know that if Latino folks ally themselves with black folks, it's a wrap. It's yeah, fucking done. It's done, you know? So that's why we have to, we have to, as brown people, right? We have to ally ourselves with black folks in America. We have mm. to, it's the same fucking fight. We have the same oppressor, you know what I mean? That's, that's it's it. So if, if nothing else unites us, that should be enough to unite us. But we have to be first aware of the ways that shit like colorism play into that, it play into stopping that. And why mm-hmm. these systems are so invested in stopping that? Because if we do ally ourselves, it's done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you answered this before we even acknowledged it. But Joe, hi, baby. Joey said, it's crazy because growing up in New York, white passing Latinos don't see their privilege. My brother, who is white passing, often mocks how I talk, how I dress, etc. We often go back and forth, but it's hard because I'm seeing it now and it makes me want to distance myself because I feel like they cannot relate. But like you just said, Yesenia, this is why we have to do it because we have to, we have to help people understand how this is dividing us and why we need to be bonded and why we need to align ourselves with each other and make sure that we are, because this is our same fight. We are on the same team because trust me, from a distance, a white passing Latino may look like a white person, but when you get closer and you see the differences, you gonna be on this side. They are not gonna, they're not gonna be like, okay, come on over, unless you have something to give them, unless you have something to benefit them. That's the only reason why. Absolutely. And that's how, and that's how in politics, um, white passing Latinos are used. So they, mm-hmm. and, and that's why it makes me so angry, you know? Cause it's like, y'all are getting played. You're getting played. Mm-hmm. And these people are never gonna give you a seat at the table. They're gonna get, they're gonna use you right? To further their agenda. And then when it's time to give you something, they're not going to do it. Just look at, at motherfuckers like Marco Rubio. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like in, in, um, in Spanish, there's a saying that says, te, te, te mastican, pero no te tragan. they chew you, but they don't swallow you. That's what they do. Ooh. Ooh. Damn. I know. Right. And, and mm. so to, to add to, to what uh, Joey addressed, right, with, with white Latinos, my partner now is white passing, right? So he's uh, Puerto Rican, but he's white passing. And I think that the best thing that we can do with white passing people or white passing Latinos, right, in, in my community in particular, is one, let them know and check them on the privilege that they have, right? Because like you said, from far away, they they may pass but the second that my partner opens his mouth like for example when we were in pittsburgh they're like wait hold up no there's something- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah they're like no 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 you got in here how the fuck you get in here like no you're- where are you from you know like what what what's what am i hearing like what's that what's that accent right 
So you tricked me. <laughs> yes, but that can be used to our advantage, right? Because as my partner, because he has certain access to certain places, then he's in there and he knows what's happening. He can, you know, he can be the the in undercover horse. ops and shit. Yes, the <laughs> exactly. So that my goal, right, is like, yo, all my white passing Latino friends, like y'all have the most power in the community like use it you know what i mean use it know you have it one but use it bro like not just for you yeah 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 well and so even if here's the thing for me even if you were to just look at like i'm gonna call it the basic marketing scheme of the united states and in this divisive uh uh energy that they put out right um we, we think about, you know, white passing Latinos and, okay, yeah, you have this leg up, you have this benefit or, or light-skinned folks in general, light-skinned minorities in general, you know, you have this leg up, you have this benefit. But as we get closer, we see these distinct differences, like I said before. But if you want to take it a step further, I mean, they do the same thing to poor white folks. So I the line of thinking is, okay, if they're doing this to poor white folks, what the hell makes you think they're not going to do it to you? Because you have some money, but guess what? You're not white. And that's, that's what it follows. It's just, it's just, it's just, I guess I don't understand how, if people can understand that they're benefiting from white supremacy, why can't we take it that step further and say, oh, I'm next on the chopping block. Like, why can't be, we be proactive about that, you know? And I guess that's just my approach. So it's a little frustrating to hear, but I just, I, people are, are realizing that they're benefiting in that way. Why are we not then taking it that next step, you know, and saying, okay, well, I'm benefiting because they're here. So if they're not here anymore, then I'm not benefiting. So, you know what I mean? Like if we, we figure that out, so let's just why wouldn't we want it to, I just, I know I keep saying that, but why wouldn't we want to take it a step further? My God. Mm-hmm. I think it's comfort and selfishness, honestly. Yeah. I think it's comfort and selfishness what it, what it boils down to. Like the further removed you are from, from the consequences of the flip side of your privilege, the less you care. You just don't care, you know? And I think people are blissfully ignorant and they choose to like not see it you know even though they know it like they choose not to see it because it's right. like well they if i if anything. i yeah so like let me, why am i gonna rock the boat my life is hard enough already you know whatever i have my own problems i can't take and and i know and i say it's because i've heard it like so much you know and it's always the people who are are have the 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 closest proximity to whiteness always mm-hmm. like making the making excuses you know and it's like just say that you're racist and go like <laughs> you ain't lying you ain't lying <laughs> i want to mention but is that is that how we feel about ice cube oh i can't i can't stomach it i'm still not ready y'all i'm sorry i'm not ready to say that you don't need not about ice <laughs> coming straight from the underground come on this is very sad i know you know i like to mention my tweets there was a tweet i stumbled upon last night that said uh, by virginia montanez as a former republican who woke up when trump ran 
I'm most struck that my politics revolved around what was best for me. Now my votes have to do with what is best for those with needs, marginalizations, more urgent, greater than mine. I rest easier now. People can change. I did. I was like, that part. That, you know? Uh, well, I saw I saw something that said, stop, stop voting, ladies, stop voting in the interest of men. <laughs> like, you know, what the hell? What are y'all doing? Well, yeah. you know, in pre- in, in preacher kid style, you know, we were just talking about me being a PK. I think we need to pass the offering place. She done preached tonight. That, that, you see? I'm saying. That's, that was, you I'm deserve saying. an offering. What's your cash, <laughs> what's your cash app? Drop it in nothing. I'm serious. Too. Give us, please, told, please. Everybody <laughs> pay it forward this week. You are my first of the mission. Yes. I, need, I need your cash. How app. can we support you? Yes. Yes. So uh, my XX fly, my cash app, my Venmo is my XX fly. Um, so either of those. Um, I also have a Patreon. If anyone wants to join there, I post um, uh, pieces and like written pieces. Um, the one that I was talking about in regards to uh, religion and sexuality um, is is there. Um, I post stuff there first. Um, and sometimes I never post it anywhere else. So if you're not part of the Patreon, then you don't get to read it. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I appreciate it. And I'm gonna, I'm typing right now. Like anybody wants to throw some, throw some love my way, I will gladly <laughs> accept. <laughs> and yeah, and and thank y'all. Yeah, this was awesome. Thank you so much. I'm not sorry for not following you back all this time. <laughs> oh, it's okay i'll only be mad if you don't do it like immediately after <laughs> like, now that you know um, i know to join us for our conversation on religion oh hell oh, yes yo yo you don't you even see, so i'm in my parents crib right do you see behind me yeah that's uh that's la virgen right so one notice her skin tone this is my grandpa right here right notice her skin tone so this is like the the image that's like revered in the place that my parents are from and it's it's a white it's a white beating you know what i mean it's a white woman and and that's like the most beautiful pious um symbol of femininity of um of you know everything would it be like the virgin mary Yes, yes, mm. yes. And that's her. And she's white as hell. And nobody, <laughs> nobody from where my parents are from looks like that. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> looks like that. But that's that's the one, yeah. that's that's the image, you know, that's the symbol. So yeah. it's bananas. Yeah, we're definitely gonna have to have her back. Oh, is it? I told you she was the truth. <laughs> <laughs> um Tell real quick. Here's a picture real of all of us, by the way. Yeah. Oh, you found it. Oh yeah. Look at that family. So beautiful. See, I just see all the shades and I just yeah. love it. That's yeah. all I see. Gorgeous. Um, Yesenia, really quickly, I wanted you to tell folks um, how you got your name. I just love that story, the oh. My XX Fly. It just what it means and because um, it just speaks to just, just how aware you are and I just love it. And just would you share that really quickly? Sure. So my... My is at the beginning because it starts with a discovery of self, right? And and knowing who we are. Double um, X is a variable and it's also 
extra extra large which is what i am so this is the this is the thing that some folks um maybe we struggle right once we find out who we are there may be things that we have to overcome so the double x is your variable for me that was my size coming into myself and accepting my, my and loving my fat body and fly is what we do beyond that variable right so once we can identify who we are, identify the things that we have to work with and overcome them, we fly. I love it. I love it. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for blessing us. Everything. Yesenia Guadalupe. You can support her um, patreon.com slash myxxfly or at myxxfly on IG. Cash app, money sign, myxxfly. <laughs> Show love. Awesome. Thank you, Yesenia. Thank, thank you all thank so you, thank much. You, thank you, thank you, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. The energy is awesome and I felt really free, uh, welcome and, and loved. So the feeling is most definitely mutual. Y'all are amazing. Awesome. Thank you. Thank Are you hanging back for a couple minutes, Yesenia, while we For up? sure. Awesome. Well, everybody, <laughs> thank you for hanging with us. And next week is going to be about feminism. And I'm excited uh, about that. You know how we do. It will be on Instagram Live, but we've switched over to the saw page. So uh, Jess and Ari will be there to, to chat it up. And one of these days, you two should facilitate and me flip flop out. It should be one, you know, not me in all both sessions is what I'm trying to say, especially now that we've got it on the other page. So just throwing that out there, putting you on the spot and you have to agree because everybody's watching. So. <laughs> oh, goodness. This was a wonderful episode. Thank you again, Yesenia, and your brilliance and genius. And just, whew, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to be able to sleep too well tonight, but for very good reason. That was wonderful. So until, until tomorrow and until next week, peace.